All right, hey everybody, we're back. This is Cronus again with Papa Bear, and this week we're going to talk a little bit about power. Hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah, <laughs> understanding. Continue. My fellow Americans. <laughs> Papa Bear, here. as long as you're whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is balance exchange. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty interesting one because uh, we have shirts that we're both not wearing, which is terrible. Infrastructure <laughs> 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 uh, is sexy, but um, it has power. It's a, sh yeah. There's a shirt showing somewhere. Yeah, put it around somewhere. Shirt. We yeah. have merch. <laughs> yeah, um, for, for infrastructure stuff. Yeah, because infrastructure is very important, and I think most people don't realize how important it is because we all live in a lap of luxury in America, even if you're poor. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're making more than I think it's like twenty-seven thousand dollars a year, you're in the top one percent of the world. So, yeah, you're 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 doing all right as far as like basic amenities go, and power, gas, um, what is it, plumbing, water. Those are like four main utilities that most people, well, pretty much everybody in America gets, pretty much. And uh, the internet, I think, should be the next utility, but we'll talk about that at some other point because we, we kind of talked about it before about the post office well, post a couple episodes yeah. ago, but yeah. Some some would even say that infrastructure is sexy. Yes, because it is. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, keep fixing so we put on our streets. shirts. To... <laughs> say it again. I said, keep fixing those streets <laughs> and making them power lines. Keep doing it. <laughs> so at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years. So I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man, who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position, I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out. Um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow. We can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. All right, so let's see. Uh, what are you drinking there? I am drinking a uh, Truly Berry Punch. Nice. And, uh, I think I'll, I'll start with the Black Cherry Lemonade then. That's my next one, actually. It's in, it's in the fridge. <laughs> nice. So I um, I have been taking the VHB. How do you like uh, it? It, it? So with fasting, <laughs> uh, it makes me feel really weird. Does it really? <laughs> so like... <laughs> If I so I, first thing in the morning, all I do is wake up and drink black coffee, basically, and then I'm taking 
BHB with just drinking a lot of water and it it's like not it's not sitting right like it oh. made me feel weird so I've had to like maybe not fast on certain days I like put like I was like oh I'm gonna try it but it's yeah, I think it's probably was partially just like getting used to taking it in instead of just like you said creating it I did read a little bit about it. it's like okay it's totally natural it's something that happens anyways we're just kind of triggering that normal response and it's it's helped to get my ketone levels up faster for sure so that's good yeah that's uh that's good actually it's funny because you asked me a while ago like like how often do you take it and i was like you know i take it basically every day even if, even if i'm not in ketosis because i take it with my pre-workout but over the past um couple of days i stopped taking pre-workout and caffeine in general um and so with that i, I stopped taking bhp because I noticed that like my, my sleep always sucks, and I'm like, okay, what's the wh- what's the issue with my sleeping? Um, it seems like I'm getting an over. I don't feel that bad like in the morning, um, but I can definitely tell like my body battery on like the Garmin thing. It says sometimes when it says it's low, like it's fucking low, and like I, I might feel okay until I work out, and then it's like, oh man, like I should have like paid attention. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop drinking and taking caffeine and figure out like which one is like fucking me up. So I stopped taking caffeine and stopped drinking, and then I slept, according to, like, my sleep thing, I slept great. I was like, all right, cool. Um, I had, the, like, the most deep sleep I ever had and since I've been recording on this thing, which is, like, I think it was, like, 48 minutes of deep sleep <laughs> for a night, which is, for me, it's fucking rare. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, so I'll add back in alcohol, and, like, let's see if it's going to make a significant, you know, difference in my sleep. And I drank, and I was still okay. So I was like, all right, so maybe it's just caffeine, because I I noticed that, you know, especially mornings, days that I work, I have uh, coffee in the morning, and then I have my pre-workout, which is a bunch of caffeine, with BHB, which doesn't have caffeine, but still, it's, I'll put it in my, my pre-workout. So I think I was just overdoing it on caffeine for, like, basically four or five years. So, yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot more than four or five years of overdoing caffeine for me, that's for sure. Um, it's not going to change anytime soon. But what I found was it was just the sleep apnea, so... Uh, I went and did my sleep study, and they do tell you a little bit about normal sleep patterns, and the average person should get anywhere between an hour to two hours of, like, the deepest sleep. Yeah. Um, so 45 minutes is getting close, especially if you just feel like it's really... I, uh, I think, so for my sleep study, that night I got four minutes. Yeah, usually for me it's, like, less than 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then the next level up was also only, like... 11 minutes so I was never any more than like level one or two sleep like this, this yeah. very very low level of sleep the doctor was like this is probably one of the worst results I've ever seen that's pretty bad <laughs> yeah. it's like cool. so now using my CPAP machine um, I think losing some weight helped too um, I sleep yeah. better even without it like some nights I'll fall asleep because I'm just tired and I forget to put, put it on and I still have been sleep. I certainly feel like sleep is providing more benefit than it used to. Um, and again, you, you limit how much sleep you have, you still are going to be tired. But um, when when you have sleep apnea and aren't ever really sleeping, you're definitely way more tired. I felt like a zombie. You know the, um, those scenes from Fight Club where he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how I felt a lot of the time. Um, and it was funny because I went in because I was putting on weight and I went to the doctor and I was like, can we run some tests and figure out what's going on? Because... PT my ass off. I really don't eat that badly. I don't know what's going on. Um, I was maybe 
I think I was 34. I'm like, it seems a little early for this, like, complete shift and totally, like, just putting on weight for no reason. Yeah. Um, so they ran all the blood tests. Like, everything seems fine. It's like, uh, it hands me, like, a stack. It's, like, all these different. It's, like, and it's a stack of papers like this, but it's, like, five or six different packets. Choose like, your own adventure. These are, these are all <laughs> different surveys. Fill all of them out because something in there maybe would be an indicator to help me know what other studies to do. Uh, so I fill all these things out, which takes forever. And the one for... Uh, potentially having sleep issues has a bunch of questions on it. It's like, do you ever come to a stoplight uh, on your drive home from work or whatever and fall asleep for the duration of the light and then like wake back up when the light turns green? I'm like, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that's not normal, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like every day. The doctor's Holy like, that's shit. not normal. No. That's not okay. <laughs> Look, that's, that's how it felt forever. It's like, yeah, we need to, <laughs> we need to send you off for a sleep study. So, that's when I figured that out. Yeah, I was like supposed I would, to... Go ahead. I would, I would get snacks <laughs> to have for my drive home just so that and I would have to pick out the right kinds of snacks so it was something to constantly, slowly, but surely like be picking on so I would stay awake for a little bit. Yeah. Man. <laughs> get home, I have no idea, don't remember any of the drive. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to get a sleep study when I was in the core because um, I, I had a really bad sleep paralysis. Like, really bad. And I still have it. Uh, it's not as bad now, but back then it was just like every goddamn night. It was like I'd wake up and my body would not move. I'd be like, "What the fuck?" And that's like it's fucking terrifying, especially when like you, I'd be like breathing and I could feel my breath just like stop. And I'd be like, "All right, am I gonna fucking die now?" And then I'll start breathing again. It's like, "All right," but it just feels like fucking forever. Like, so I went to go get a sleep study and like I was on the I was, I was already on the mu, and I had to like drive somewhere. I was supposed to borrow uh, like one of my friend's cars. And he fucking forgot and took the car for the night. And so I couldn't get my sleep study. And I was like, whatever, man. Like, I probably could have got, like, some sort of, like, disability for it. But I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'll be fine. Yeah, because it's, it's often connected to a lot of, you know, the activities and the stress levels and all the other stuff we do as Marines and active duty service members. They definitely, like, it puts that stress on you. It kind of triggers a lot of the sleep apnea response. What was interesting, we're totally on topic. What was interesting, I watched a video uh, from a guy that I, I follow on YouTube who does, like, he's big into medieval uh, warfare stuff and weapons and all this other stuff, right? So I watched those things. And he started talking about he may be out for a while because he's going to go get surgery. He's from Australia. And in Australia, if you have sleep apnea, like, most of the time it's caused by some issue with your sinus. um, sinuses or something. So the first step in Australia is surgery. And if they have to, then, then you get to the point where you're going to be on this machine for the rest of your life. Whereas like in the United States, like we don't want to do surgery unless it's so bad that the machine doesn't help you. Instead, you get to have this machine be a part of your life for the rest of your life. And it's like, I was like, this is, it is weird that that, and it never would have even occurred to me that it should be the other way around. But when he described it, I was like, it kind of makes sense because let's provide you with see if this long-term permanent solution can work. And if it doesn't, then the best I can give you is, like, you're going to have to use this machine or this medicine or this other thing for the rest of your life. Well, it's because I think in America we're so used to um, not... It, we're used to treating symptoms and not actually solving the problem. And I think that's a that's a big deal that most people don't really seem to understand. It's like when you see, um, you know, people going on, like, statins and all these other, like, heart medications and all this other shit, it's like they're, they're not actually addressing the real problem. They're just addressing the symptoms of the problem. 
so it's like, what's the actual problem? Why are we addressing that? Um, my dad, when he was alive, he used to snore like fucking crazy loud. I'm pretty sure I sleep here after too. Like, you, he snored so loud you can hear him snoring from outside the fucking house. I'm not exaggerating. And so eventually my, uh, my stepmom got him to go to the doctor and he just rotorotored his fucking nose. Like, he just went in and just cleared everything out and he slept like a fucking baby after that. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny too because when doing that and I told, I did my survey and the doctor was like, we're going to go to see you for a sleep study. Uh, and he tells me, he's like, hey, ask your your wife if she noticed that you snore, right? And if she says that she does, then also ask if she ever noticed you, like, be snoring and then stop snoring for a second and then go back to snoring. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and so I asked, I was like, hey, do I, do I snore? She's like, hell yeah, I snore. She snored. She said, I was like, have you ever noticed where I'd be snoring and then stop for a second or two? And then start snoring, and he's like, yeah, like, every night. I'm like, that's me dying! Like, every time that happens, I stop breathing. She's like, yeah, but you've got life insurance, and it's real good. She's like, I didn't know. I didn't know either. That was was funny. Uh, All right, so what are you reading? I am reading uh, Rise of Empire, and it is book two of the right era revelations. Which is funny, because, like, since we last did a podcast, I read the first book, and then a new book of that same author came out, and so it was like somewhere in the timeline in the same like universe. And it was like, yeah, you don't have to read, you know, the rest of these books, but maybe you should. But I finished the whole book, and I was like, oh, okay, like I understand, like there's like references and stuff. I was like, all right, I gotta finish like the rest of this book, and I, I guess the whole entire universe now. So yeah, mm. it's pretty good. Okay. I like, I like the, the ones, ones that are like that, too, where the, the like, a single piece could, could sit separately. Maybe yeah. it doesn't necessarily need the whole world. And even um, with our, you know, one of our favorites, Awaken Online, like, he said, you could read this current book without reading the tarot series, but I really recommend it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have been a lot worse. I, I mean, it still would have worked, but, like, it's a whole lot cooler to know what's going on with the Finn side of the story. As soon as you're introduced to that character, otherwise you'd be like, I have no idea, like, his motivations and what's going on and all that type of stuff. Yeah, but I feel like he could have done, like, almost a similar thing with, like, a, like, Alexion, you know? Like, what if he had, like, his whole backstory of, like, books before? Yeah. I, you know, I feel like he, he could probably do that at this point in time, like, go make a whole series about Alexion, like, why he's an asshole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's some of it in there. A little bit, yeah. Uh, it does talk about, because there's some story about his dad and, like, why he's even backing this this concept for the business uh, and part of it was to try to help Alex but like uh, he was also in the the beta testing right so you could go through just his beta testing stories like what was going on in his head and his interactions with uh, the AI and, and the gods or whatever so yeah so what are you reading now uh, I have an hour and 20 minutes left of the new Jim Crow so I'm almost oh, done cool that's a heavy one <laughs> Oh, what? That's a heavy, heavy book. So. Yeah, and I'm like infuriated. I can't wait until we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm glad you read it because like most people, like they don't, they're not willing to like read it, and then it's just like, it, it's easy to just go along, with like the way that our current system is, and like mm-hmm. ignore everything because it's like you're oblivious to it, right? That's kind of by design, and the book kind of highlights it, like how right. it's by design. It does, <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if you'd have told any, like, most Americans, do you realize that we have the most amount of prisoners 
in the world of any nation. <laughs> like per capita or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's per cap it's per capita, I think. Even if you take out the per capita part, it's still the most. <laughs> well, I mean like total number wouldn't probably work. I don't know. I would just have to assume China would have more with a billion people, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just literally total number of prisoners, but for, there's a whole bunch of things. Like I can, again, this this is definitely a whole yeah, it's just this book. Yeah. This book on its own, and then exploring this topic, I think, between the two of us, which I think is kind of where this was leading. Like, honestly, at some point, in reading this book, I was like, this is why this started, so that we could have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, and it'll, it'll be a, a really good one, but not this podcast. This one we're going to talk no. about power. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's intense. Like, it today led to me kind of, like, blowing up on one of the instructors. Uh, not, like literally yelling at them or whatever but like they said something i can't remember what it was that like was just ridiculous they're like oh this thing this is just so asinine that this is even this way i was like not as asinine as the fact that like there are literally thousands and thousands tens of thousands of people in prison for tens if not more than that of years for just like a drug offense yeah, like a small a, drug offense yeah like, that's minor. asinine <laughs> yeah and he's like what what? I was like, never mind. But someone, someone in the back was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like I'm hot right now. <laughs> I was, I was about to get fired up. I was like, hold on, I'm still here, surrounded by Marines in uniform. I was like, I can't talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's. I have to. If I have to limit like the amount of civil rights books that I listen to, um, I limit it to like two max in a row. And then I have to like go to like lit RPG. I get go back to my safe place. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got sci-fi and lit RPGs. So yeah, I was gonna when we do talk about it, like I'll, I'll mention it again. But I guarantee, like you probably have noticed, right? I don't, I don't curse very often. I freaking it's just not a thing that I feel like is necessary. But I pretty much guarantee that as we go through like my list of things that we're interested in, it, you're gonna hear me say, "What the fuck, man!" Like <laughs> more times. Then you've probably ever heard me say my life. <laughs> so much of it is just that. You're like, it has shocked me. And and I think it's in a good way, right? So I think I told you the conversation about um, white privilege and like becoming more aware of what it actually meant compared to what I interpreted it as meaning until I finally got a better understanding. And then a lot of this is the same thing where it's like, I'm so glad that I understand better, but I also am frustrated that it took me this long in my life to understand it, but also like not surprised by, by the, by the now, by my understanding of it, not surprised it took me this long to understand it. Yeah. And actually, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the same way, which is like, to me, like when I started going down this whole like civil rights journey, it was embarrassing. I me mean, as like a person, especially <laughs> as a black guy. Cause I was just right. like, there was like all this stuff where I just like kind of ignored it, you know, all, all like all these slights that were done towards me. I was like, you know, fuck it, you know, I'm, I am where I am, you know, if I can get to where I am, anybody can do it, but no, the fuck they can't, you know, like, like, the, me being here doesn't mean that um, anybody can do it, like, just because one person made it doesn't mean everybody can fucking make it, Yeah. you know what I mean, and the embarrassment of, like, me, like, not understanding, like, the way that my, my parents were brought up, you know, what they had to go through in their lives, you know, um, yeah, it made me, like, internally, like, really angry with myself, after going through all this shit, but um, it's definitely making me into a, a better person. Probably more bitter a little bit, but better. 
So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely... You remember my top ten list of things that we need to fix? Yeah. Yeah, I think that might need to change. Is it creeping in? <laughs> yeah, I think my list might need to change a little because I think it would be a much better impact. Um, and and knowing, you know, my stance on things from a like focus on individual liberties, like the idea that this is happening <laughs> is k- killing me. Like. For something so small, and the, the example I used with that Marine today was like, so you're telling me, like, if we walk through four buildings, just any four buildings in this complex right now, and how many people do you think we would bump into to have a DUI? Maybe a handful. Probably There's probably three or four around somewhere in the next couple buildings around you, right, at work. So that person got intoxicated and got into a vehicle and put other people's lives at risk on the road could potentially have killed someone else. And something that we should all agree, when you put someone else's life at risk, that's when you've done something wrong. And they maybe get maybe a month in jail. Maybe that. Probably 10 days. And some rank lost. <laughs> What's that? And some rank lost, but yeah. And, and, a, and a, a misdemeanor. And like maybe get their license suspended for a short period of time. But you're telling me someone who was walking down the street in their own neighborhood potentially sitting on their own front porch with one, like, joint is going to be in jail for 10 years and marked a felon and, like, not able to vote and not able to get a job and not able to get... I'm like... <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. I'm, like, freaking out. So, yeah. There's so many things, and, and I'm at the point where she's explaining, like, all of the things I've thought to this point. I'm like, I could fix this. Maybe if I could go in and we could change that that way. It's like none of that matters. <laughs> like, oh, <damn> it. <laughs> <laughs> There's this whole other big part that needs to change first in order for that to really matter. But I also think, so she made a point on Brown versus the Board of Education that that landmark decision, right, to help end uh, Jim Crow still didn't actually make anything happen for 10 years. Yeah. There was still a whole decade where 1% of students were integrated. One. One percent. Literally across the South, only one percent of students got integrated in schools. And so it took actual like grassroots um, movements of people trying to change the mindset in order to really force the hand to make it happen. Even though there was already this landmark like legislation that happened. And I think that's where she kind of is talking about, and we're going to maybe have to go hash over this again, but she's talking about where, like, you need that mindset change in order for this effect to really work. But I don't think it would be a bad idea to try to make the legislation happen to fix some of the, the problems of the system to then drive that conversation. I think some of the, the mindset movement is already happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely uh, things are going in the right direction as far as, like, people that are being that are hearing that, that sort of message, um, they're way more receptive now than they were even when this was even a bigger movement, which is kind of weird. Um, cause I don't right. know if you, uh, I've read a few studies that says that we're now a more segregated society than we were in the 1950s, which is like, that's disturbing to me. And if you want to know how that happened, the next book after read a couple books after that, and then read, uh, the color of law. And, okay. and that's, that one will, wrap wrap around like what redlining is and like why we're so segregated today 
Yeah. Because it's basically the redlining, and it, it really breaks down, like, why it was done, in what manner, how it was federally regulated, and then, at the end, the reason why I love the book is because it gives actual, some solutions or suggestions on how to fix it today. So. Yeah, and I, I'm excited. I literally, like, the end of that conversation was, this is why I need to retire. So that I can get involved and try to make a difference in these things that I've been waiting my whole life to do. So, yeah. Good on you, man. If you ever need, uh, you know, your right-hand guy. If he, if he can... Uh, if I can somehow replace my income, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it too. As I was looking at, um, <laughs> I can't retire <laughs> right now anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did look at the numbers. So right now, oh, I don't know if I want to go to that little detail. That's pre-show. If you really want to get all the information on Papa Bear's uh, income, <laughs> I'll probably have that cut cut out as a part of a pre-show or a post-show type extra stuff. You can check us out on Patreon because I do want to talk about. I did look at the retirement numbers and know exactly how much I would need to make. Um, but then it led me to go, okay, so if I wanted to run for a state legislature, so because I'm ambitious, but I don't think that anywhere in my mind do I think I'm going to run for president of the United States. Because that's just crazy. I mean, Trump did it. I said, won, so. I said if, yeah. <laughs> I said if I made it to, like, even running for a governor position, that'd be pretty pretty high goals, right? Yeah, that'd pretty be high. pretty high. Yeah. So I was like, if I wanted to run for a state legislature, just to kind of get my feet wet and figure something out. So I looked into Washington, and what bothered me was not anything about pay. I didn't see any of that stuff. I never even got that far into it because what I looked at was the state legislature meets once a year for like six weeks. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do the rest of the year? <laughs> Put on a paycheck. I can't do that. I need to be doing work. But I guess I'd just get involved in, in you know, uh, getting more involved in advocacy or, or something. So it's, I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could have that be the only thing. But. You know what? You know what you could do. This might be mind blowing for transparency. You can steal this idea if you want. If not, just throw it away. You can make like a, make like a gigantic Kanban board, like online, of like what the fuck you're actually doing, so people know like what you're actually doing when you're in, yeah. you know, like whatever government job that you're doing. Like, hey, listen. I'm working on this, I'm working on that, I'm working on that. If I, you know, need to go somewhere to, like, go to D.C. and, like, learn on some shit, that's what I'm going to do. You know, but I think that there's literally no transparency in the daily lives of the vast majority of any of these, you know, government officials. And it's just, like, our yeah. lawmakers. What, like, what are they doing? Yeah. I think for the majority, you're probably right. What's weird is that I have, I feel pretty blessed. Um, she's a Republican. And, again, I think neither of us are, like, super uh biased towards one party or the other no. like actively so um but so she's republican this is crazy so she graduated the year before me in in the other high school in town there's like two high schools in our town really um and, or in my school district there was another another school district in the town anyways uh she graduated from the other high school the year before me didn't know this person but and then she has been the representative for our district for like 10 or 15 years, like a long time. And I'm like, you literally basically <laughs> graduated high school, went to college, and then became our representative. I was like, this is crazy. You had to, she had to have been super young when she got it. She's still very young, very connected to like, and what's crazy, I say very young. She's obviously our age, which for most Congress people is pretty young. But I think more, I think, and, but, I think that more people, more young people should like get into these things, you know? I mean, like, because, 
I think that these previous generations... There's no bar to it. Yeah, and it's like... The, most of these generations are just failing us. People that are in government are just failing us. Because they don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your future. They just care about, you know, pulling down a paycheck from lobbyist money. And I think that, that it's wrong. And, and they're, not, they're not serving their actual communities. They're just serving themselves. And it's... it's I feel like... Uh, I remember when I first saw that that chick uh, Greta, what was her name? Greta Van something. The the chick that was about uh, climate change. Remember her? From some other country. Yeah. Yeah, she was like super yeah. angry about it. I'm like, why are you fucking so angry? Like they're just they're you, you're gonna be okay. I mean, they they, they talked about acid rain for you know, my generation, and everybody they try to get us all riled about acid rain and like where's it at now? And then I looked it up and I know why it's not here now. It's because of they regulated the chemicals that. Cause acid rain. Anyway, like, regulation. Yeah, <laughs> some regulations okay. I understand from her point of view, like being so mad if like you if it's all doom and gloom, but at the same time, there's like a lot of onus that's on the generation that is supposed to be like saving the future for her. So I feel yeah. bad that somebody that young is so angry about her future. But at the same time, it's like if you can understand like what's really going on and and you feel a certain kind of way, like you have every right to be angry about it. You know, but I think that what she doesn't know is that we're constantly making things better to actually improve upon the environment. Maybe it's not as fast as everybody would like, but um, I mean, electric cars are here. People, <laughs> so that that's a huge step in the right direction. Even though I have people that are trying to fight against it, but you know, well, we didn't get to this point overnight. No. We're not going to fix it overnight, right? So it's 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 weight gain, right? I didn't get to over 200 pounds in January overnight, right? That happened across the course of probably about a year. And I didn't get back down to like a reasonable weight that I'm comfortable with and still working towards more off, but like back down in a month. It, it, took, it took five months, you know, it, it takes time. It, there's a balance to the two. But one thing I will say is that I did like that she was so passionate about it. And then that's what's kind of missing is passion about this kind of stuff where people can get involved in actually getting engaged in their community and in civic duty and like actually being a part of your community, not just living there. Right. And you have to get fired up about something to care enough to, to put all that work in to try to fix it. Right. And I I thought that was cool. Uh, Again, maybe misdirected, maybe misguided, but again, that's, that's their own personal passions. And it's like it's like the Green Party. I've always kind of poked fun at them, <laughs> yeah, because because you can't have a whole party focused on that one aspect because there are so many other things that you would spend so much more of your time doing when you're in Congress or in any political position that your entire singular focus can't be on environmentalism when the decision you're trying to you know be a part of or be a discussion of or whatever is like school funding in a specific district like. What the hell does that have to do with your environmentalistic like party? Where is your position on funding in specific school districts? Yeah. Oh, you don't have one because your platform is trees, and that's it. So it's like you have to be a little more well-rounded and include that as a part of it. You know, I always kind of poke fun of them because like that's not really a political party. That's not one that should exist. Well, I mean, I, I'll be contrarian. Somebody can say that about libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> so you know about so but so. Libertarian falls into the quadrant, right? So you have the the liberal for or versus conservative for 
personal freedoms and for government size and spending. And that as long as you're somewhere in that spectrum specifically, then the party should exist. Again, just from political scientist point of view. Oh. But like, I see where the passion would drive someone to it. Like, how is there not already one that's similar to the Green Party, but would be for like animal rights? Like, there's not a PETA party. Yeah. There would be one, but that, like, it would be a pity. Is party. your entire yeah. purpose in? <laughs> I see what I did there. <laughs> it's like your entire purpose is to like advocate for animals' rights, but then, yeah, what happens when the bill that's on the floor is for funding for an interstate bridge between two states? The hell does it have to do with animals' rights? So, what's your position? Yeah, is it encroaching upon the brown bear's <laughs> natural habitat? I mean, there there's fish in that river. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I think that I mean there needs to be obviously. On one hand, we are advocating for we've advocated for more um, political group political parties to come up, right? But at the same time, some are bullshit. So anytime you, you try to expand stuff, you know you're gonna have some uh, some bullshit ideas and uh, you know bullshit parties. I mean, we there's ideas that if you listen to this podcast long enough, that you know either me or Papa Bear have had said something and you're like, no, nah, that's fucking bullshit. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> And you can do that inside a specific topic. So even listening to this book, where so much of it is like resonating with me and making awareness, I, a couple of points I've been like, that particular argument doesn't jive either internally to some other argument you've already made, or mm, uh, I get your point, but I don't agree. You know, yeah. like it, there's been a few moments where I've been like that, and it hasn't been corrected in most of those cases. So I think that's good. It shows that. Um, we can have differences of specifics in in position and stuff like that, but as long as we understand the concept and agree that it's a conversation that needs to be had, cool with it. Like, and that's why I was like, oh, uh, I don't know about that part, but yeah, okay. I, I love the collateral damage part. Like, I was like, ooh. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Because you probably read it a while ago. Yeah, I read it a while ago. Um, obviously, I mean, I know there's a lot of collateral damage from you know a lot of specific issues in that book, so. Yeah. Well, just talking about like how, how the collateral damage was almost like an intentional part of what makes it work, uh, where it's the it's the exceptionalism piece where you say like, oh look, see like if like you like if that person can make it, then anybody can. And it's kind of the mindset you got into. It's like, but it's not true because that's a part of the system to say, look, we we accept people who are writing these rules in order to keep most people in a specific position in order for people to think that it's okay, you have to let a few slip through. And then the same on the other side is some white people are going to get caught up in the system and yeah. end up in prison too. Sorry, collateral damage. In order to have the system work, we just have to accept that. And I was like, yeah. it's just that it was like war. It's like the civilians in Iraq who get killed while we're really fighting against a specific insurgency. There's some civilians who are going to get killed. We're prosecuting a war against these insurgents. Sorry that you're there. It just kind of has, it's the only way we can make this happen. I was like, oh man, that's crazy. And it, yeah, it definitely resonated. So like that was a moment where I was like, oh. And then I think I, the reason that I brought it up now is I think like literally in like the next paragraph, I was like, wait a minute. Like there was a different argument that didn't, didn't jive with that. I was like, you just said two different things. I was like, come on, stick to your stick to your point. I thought it was really good though. So far, I mean, I'm only on an hour left, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm mostly done. It's just definitely shocked me. So, um, 
What you won't find is a political party that specifically focuses on power and infrastructure. <laughs> you will not, because we all take that shit for granted until it goes off. Yeah. So, and then you're just like, what do I do now? Do I, do I play cards? What do, what do I do? So, so I think I think that, that it's going to be a really hard sell, similar to like the way she talked about trying to make some of these reforms if we made it to a prison system. Would be there's a lot of people invested in that system. So it's all the oil lobby and all the other parts of our current power infrastructure system that would be completely against the solution we should have going forward, which is that pretty much the way my house is set up is not perfect for the future system. I would need basically, um, I don't need more solar panels because I think I generate enough electricity for my own usage. The problem is I don't have enough storage. Yeah. So I would need a, at least one, I think actually two more power walls to give myself full coverage for my own house throughout the night right, with so no I'm, additional requirement for any other power. I feel yeah. like before we even go into solar, we should talk about like um, the actual power infrastructure because we're going to get, let's get to solar because I think that's a, yeah. it's a solution, especially with yeah. batteries. That's yeah. definitely a solution. Right. <laughs> but let's talk about like the way that our current power infrastructure works especially in we'll, I, we'll pick California and Texas right because I think those are the two of the main ones that kind of been fucking up a lot in recent memory um, so when it comes to power infrastructure obviously we all take it for granted in California we are um, most of California has a mono- there's a monopoly on our utilities for power utility it's PG&E Pacific Gas and Electric. I think that's the same where you are, Papa Bear. Maybe, might be a little bit different. No. What do you, what so do you we have? have Southern California Edison. Oh, Edison. Okay. Yeah, but it's still you only have one choice, right? Right. So and that's the way a lot of places are, where yeah. it is a different power company in different areas, but for any individual house, you only have one choice. Yeah. So technically, I have two, but the transmission lines is only one. So I have yeah. the. PG&E, and I have, like, ECEE, which is, like, a, a green one where most of the power comes through green means, like solar power, um, hydroelectric, um, you know, wind, whatever. But it's still the tra- same same transmission line, so I'm still giving money to PG&E. And PG&E, if y'all don't know, outside of California, they have caused a horrendous amount of forest fires in Northern California that have made them actually go bankrupt. So they literally ran out of insurance because they made they basically wiped out an entire town and wiped out a, a whole bunch of other areas in northern california and another one just happened uh earlier this year where they wiped out a whole other town and just burned a bunch of shit to the ground is that all through like the the infrastructure stuff the power lines and the, the transformers not being well protected enough so they spark out and cause problems or is it from lightning strikes no, it's from the, fir- the first one. It's from basically old equipment that is not well-maintained yeah. and then also having um, the transmission lines not free of debris uh, from, like, trees and shit like that. Trees so, nearby, yeah. Yeah, so th- it causes fires, and then, you know, in Northern California, well, basically most of California, uh, you have serious droughts, you know, where everything yeah. stays dry for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Until, you, until you get an El Nino. Then you're good for, you know, a year and a half. And then you're back to a drought again. So, so yeah, um, PG&E is a serious issue. So um, we, we don't have a choice, really, for the transmission lines. And we, and we can't force them to um, 
maintain their transmission lines better or maintain all their equipment better. Because it's not even, with PG&E, it's not even just the electricity. They're also gas, so specific gas and electric. And a couple of years back, they actually blew up a fucking whole city block. So, yeah. Probably blew it up? Like how? Like, it blew, like a gas line blew, and it blew up a fucking block. <laughs> wow. And so, so I was curious, we, we kind of, we, you wanted to go towards um, working your way kind of problem framing, right? And uh, it's one of the first steps in, in like a lot of the work that we do. So interestingly enough, I guess we could start at like power plants that produce the most power, which are nuclear, right? So do you know if there are or are not any nuclear power plants in California? Yes, there are. So most of them are, I mean, I know a few that are decommissioned. There's, but there yeah, there's be... only one active one, um, and it is Diablo Canyon, yeah. which is not far San Luis Obispo, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. So there's this cool website you can go to called Energy Justice Network, uh, and it has a map that shows you all of the currently operating nuclear power plants. Uh, for the West Coast, there's only two. There's one in Washington and one in California. Well, well, two active, all right? But there's many Correct. more that are inactive but still have nuclear materials in them because with nuclear power, unfortunately, you can't really turn them off. You can turn them off, but you, you, the, the material that's in there is still, yeah. Yeah, it's still there. So it's, it's, they're no longer transmitting electricity, but they can. Like, you can switch them on, like, energize houses right now if you wanted to. Mm. Some of them, I, I, I know at a certain point, though, it's no longer, like, viable to support for power or, just, like, consistent or sustainable. But um, I'm sure that it's not the case for some of these other ones because they were built and then shut down before or in the time frame since some of these other ones have been up and running. So it's usually just about location and other things and then advocacy for shutting them down. I was trying to see if it, it gives a total count of, like, how many are active. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at this. This map, actually, so it's called Energy Justice Network. Mm-hmm. Looks like it has a lot of options and layers you can turn on and off that might be interesting to look at later. Yeah, but anyways. click on some shit and I'll talk about some nuclear power for a minute. Because um, I know a little bit about nuclear power. So, basically, if people are thinking like nuclear power plants, um, that they run actually off nuclear power, um, sort of, but not really. So, a nuclear power plant is basically a gigantic steam engine. So, what they do is they take uh, uranium... They stick them in water, the water boils, it creates steam, the steam shoots through a fucking tube, it spins a fucking fan, and then the, uh, that cools down the water, the water drips back down, and it gets recycled back into, <laughs> back into the uranium. So it's basically a steam engine that runs on uranium. The uranium heats up the water, and it's, it's really ridiculous. And once I heard about how it actually worked, I was embarrassed. I was like, damn, I thought it was just like literally pulling the heat out of, you know, nuclear rods, and that's how they created power. But no, it's just, it's steam power. Like, like old-timey cars. <laughs> so. Oh, okay, cool. I can't find numbers. Okay, so, total number of nuclear power plants operating in the United States right now is 59. 59. And how many are inactive? Uh, okay, let's see. Closed down ones? Yeah. Closed? Uh, 29. 29? Okay. That's actually less than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and then there are some proposed also. So there are 11 currently proposed. 
with like a tenth one still, as far as where the physical location is proposed, is still in the air. It's like okay. somewhere in South Carolina, but they haven't picked the location yet. So those are probably the newer ones. Are probably will probably be better. I wonder if they're going to be like thorium reactors. I mean, th that'd be the, the oh, that'd better be, way to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thorium, the way they do it, it's um, they put the uranium, they put thorium rods into like a solid, like mass that heats up and so if something goes bad um it's much like nothing's going to explode <laughs> so or it shouldn't explode i'm not going to say it's not going to because they probably thought that <laughs> nuclear power plants weren't going to explode ever but obviously some of them did so yeah yeah this this site have you pulled it up yet no no what's it called energyjustice.net justice. so this thing is amazing. I've never found this site before, but I just decided to look for, is there a nuclear power plant in California? Because I, I thought I'd heard about one. I wasn't 100% sure. And this was like one of the first sites that came up. So like this map, I can, okay, do you know how many coal power plants there are? Fucking probably over 2,000, probably more than that. <laughs> no? 492. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Still operating. So how about oil? Uh, no idea. 1,070. So more than coal. Wow. Just straight operating on oil. How about natural gas? Uh, less than 100. It fills the damn map just about. Really? It's 1,589. Wow. Okay. I was super shocked. I was like, whoa, there is a lot of gas-based uh, power plants. Oh, wow. They're even using so, uh, trash incinerators, too. LNG, natural gas. Yeah, like you can go through all this stuff yeah. and turn on. So how many solar power plants are there? 1,060. That's pretty good. But again... I wonder how that qualifies. Like, if I go ahead and I click yes on my thing with Tesla, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, super cool. I would totally recommend to anybody if, you, if you're interested in this kind of stuff. So there's another bit, too. Are you looking at the map now? I'm, look, I'm pulling it up, yeah. So on the upper left-hand side, you can also look at population maps all by, like, um, by race, too, if you oh, want well, to. Yeah, so I you saw can that. see. Yeah. <laughs> you can click on that. And so we were having a conversation um, not too far, not too long ago, because um, my wife just got hired on in California as a reading intervention specialist, so early intervention for reading, mm -hmm. um, only because California got additional funding for schools through COVID funding uh, to try to like inst institute programs that they've felt like they needed in order to help with education. So they had not started, even though all of the research was done in the 90s. And almost all of the programs started in like almost every other state in the early 2000s. California still did not have an early intervention program for reading and for math. So um, part of the reason I thought would have been that it it was usually supporting those who are looking learning English as a second language because it definitely causes issues, all these other things. And I was like, it's probably because if you look at the overall total population in California, uh, the Hispanic population is not extremely high, so those who have English as a second language don't need it as far throughout the state. But there's a significant portion of the state that has a very high concentration of Spanish-speaking primary, secondary English, so then going to an all-English school is very difficult for them, yeah. and they would need that early reading intervention. Um, but as far as the government was concerned, the state's fine. and doesn't need to spend money on that extra thing. Uh, and if you do, if you click on the uh, Hispanic map, and you see, like, concentration in California, like, all in the southern half of the state. Yeah. So, it's interesting. I was like, huh, look at that. It, it, should, it proves what we were talking about. Yeah. Why that concentration is there. 
<clears throat> so yeah, um, oh wow, they do have geo- geothermal on here too. Yeah, I don't think there are very many though. Yeah, well, it's usually like houses that have it, not not like power plants, right? It's, there's a lot of depending houses on where you are. Like I know um, Iceland has almost all of their power comes from geothermal. Oh wow, okay. Oh, there's there's a few in California actually here in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that's not. The yeah, Bay. Jesus Christ, it's way outside the Bay. A little further north yeah. uh, in the mountains. Yeah. I wonder. So there are some down here too, near Salton Sea. And like <laughs> El Centro, Calexico. I would assume, yeah, there'd probably be, because of the sulfuric content, it makes sense that there would have been also geothermal activity happening to cause that yeah. to be the way it is. Interesting. And I wonder how much of it, so for, for geothermal, and to be honest, like you described a nuclear power plant, that's almost all power plants. It's generally something that gets hot, that boils water, that drives the turbine, that then creates electricity. Um, to me, the only difference is uh, the like the two natural ones we could talk about, which is wind and um, hydroelectric, which is some other force driving a turbine. So it's the wind spinning the thing, which drives the turbine, which generates electricity, mm-hmm. or in a dam, the water that can flow through it from a pressure differential and an energy, like a potential energy differential, allowing it to spin the turbine. Well, actually, isn't solar a little bit different? Isn't solar different too? Because like it knocks off ions, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. That one's different, yeah. but it's the two two natural ones are kind of the only ones that aren't some kind of um, pretty much just spinning a wheel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I will say we talked about the tidal energy uh, earlier on. I think maybe in our before the podcast, yeah, uh, pre-show. But like, to me, you're right. Like, it's the it's one of the ways we can harness another natural resource there is um a couple of really cool episodes hopefully i can remember to link them in the description for this video but like i watched this really cool video about there's there's study work going right now the problem with tidal um tidal power plants is that a lot of sea creatures obviously like move in and out of the tides as well and can get caught in those and so it's a risk to sea creatures you just have to pick the right locations yeah and then there's a company that's developing one that, while generating the energy with the turbine, uh, creates a sound in the in LF in the like low frequency range. That's basically the sounds most sea creatures use because it transmits through water really well. That would force creatures away. Oh, they like cool. yeah. know that sound and they stay away from it. So it keeps them from getting hurt by the system. But if it's a natural migration pattern and it's something that they need to be moving through that space, could potentially impact their life. So they're figuring out locations that that doesn't impact um, or seeing if they adapt. And so one of them was like they had these uh, sea sea lions that almost always came in a specific part of a channel to then safe harbor here and then breed, right? So they put a test one in that shies them away and they went ahead and went around to this other, like around the island Mm -hmm. that was nearby and then still went to their normal shore spot. So like they'll, they'll figure it out. They basically perceive that to be like, oh man, there's a dangerous whale or something there. We're gonna go around. Well, and also, I think <laughs> so. one of the other sides of this is like when people talk about you know impacting wildlife. Okay, so what's gonna impact wildlife more? Uh, a wave generating, up oh, sorry, a tidal energy generator or us constantly dumping you know carbon and other sorts of fucked up shit into the ocean. So. Right. <laughs> I think that most people, they don't, they don't think about the trade-off, yeah. But obviously, I mean, 
let's just stop jumping all that kind of stuff in the ocean. What's weird to me, so I'm going to take a slight segue. When mm-hmm. it comes to, like, uh, trash in the ocean, I think that the these waste management corporations have, like, really duped Americans into being so stupid um, for taking, for feeling bad about, like, the, the garbage patch that's the size of Texas in, like, supposedly in the, in the Pacific the Ocean. If it's there, yeah. okay. I, I've never, I still haven't seen it. But it could still exist. I don't know. I have no doubt there's a bunch of trash in the ocean. But they make it seem bad for people that, for us to, like, you know, pay attention to, like, what we're doing. To, like, uh, throwing shit away. But it's like, listen, I throw the vast majority of everything I throw away in a garbage can. So why is the stuff that I'm throwing in the garbage ending up in the ocean? Yeah. That's the problem. Because they're, they're, they're putting shit in the ocean. But they want to make us feel bad as consumers. So like, oh, you got to like separate your trash out and do all these things. Make sure it doesn't get in the ocean. But it's like, no, I'm already doing everything I'm supposed to do. And there's still a gigantic garbage patch in the ocean. Like, how does it get there? It's not from me. I'm not on a fucking boat driving out in the fucking Pacific Ocean or going to the beach and throwing my trash out in the ocean. I pay a corporation to take care of my trash for me. And I assume that's going to be taken care of. Like... And a landfill, and then you seal it, and then you fucking build a apartment complex on top of it. <laughs> that's, that's what they usually do, but not the ocean. In a red line district. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, be surprised. Now in California, it's not a red line district anymore. The, there's a place in, in uh, Santa Clara that I used to live for around the corner from. It used to be a trash dump. And now it's um, their high-rise buildings for tech companies. So yeah, first it was a first it was a dump, then it was a place for like uh, racing uh, dirt bikes, and then they leveled it off, and then they put up a big fucking office building. I mean, why not? Yeah, I don't know. Seems like it makes sense. Yeah, I saw a really interesting video talking about um, how most of the recycling dialogue, uh, which puts onus on the consumer to like sort their trash is all done through the plastics industry in order to alleviate themselves of the public response of their responsibility for producing plastics that we all know are going to last forever unless recycled, but also in a good good part of time aren't even recyclable um, and create a system that is so complex for recycling that actually most of the stuff we think we can put in recycling, we can't. So you have to like, I have to figure out what my city's recycling processing capabilities are. And if they can do type one, type two, and type four, well, I can't put three into the recycling or uh, five, six, and seven. Like I can't put any of those things in recycling. Those have to go in the trash. So that plastic still goes in the trash, even though it's got a recycling symbol on it. And most people would just like throw that in the recycling and not realize that they probably just messed up the whole system of recycling all of their stuff because it's not going to work. So then, it, 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 generally, here's what happens: is it just gets tossed out. If it comes to the recycling, and they see a load that like that has seven in it, they can clearly tell that whole load just gets tossed. So you end up screwing up the recycling system by making people think they can recycle more than they can. Um, paper pretty much generally is paper, so you can put all paper in it. But plastics jack it up. Yeah, I think paper and glass are probably the easiest ones to do. Um, no, yeah, but paper, even, metal, and glass. Yeah. And even then, like with with paper, it depends on if it's contaminated or not. Because like if you throw away like a like a pizza box, 
they come in with grease, so they just fucking throw it out. But they still put an onus on us to like separate our own trash. But it's like I fucking pay somebody to do that for me. Like that's part of the service that used to be, like taking, you know, doing the trash. It's like you separate the shit for me. Um, I don't know if uh, you ever watch uh, old Penn and Teller bullshit before. No, I do know Penn and Teller, but not that show. Okay, they had, they had a really good show called Bullshit. It was on for multiple years. Um, nice. They had a show called it was on recycling, and they basically saw how far they could go for recycling. And they basically got up to, I think it was like seven or nine bins. And people would like literally separate out all like seven to nine bins, like all their stuff. Like compost, metal, glass, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they explained to them like, hey, you know, all this stuff's just going to go to the dump anyway, right? <laughs> None of this stuff is, they're not going to, they're going to take this from you and then just throw it in the same, you know, you know, dump as everything else. So... People didn't get it. They're just like, well, just, well, I just want to do my best for the environment, but you, you're not helping the environment. You're really not. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, I even wonder with our, it frustrates me to no end, too, because where we've gotten to today. So, like, my trash, a lot of which is probably pretty biodegradable, is now inside a plastic bag. Yeah. Which will take forever to break down, and then can start breaking down the stuff that it should bring up. Like probably half of every trash can that ever comes out of this house is filled with coffee grounds. <laughs> it's like that stuff would just go in the trash. Why can't I put? So like I, I've wanted to, and it's probably something on me because I do think if you're doing your own composting, it could make a big difference, right? So you're taking your own biodegradable like food trash stuff and taking care of it yourself because it just breaks down. Yeah. Uh, that could be a big difference, but like putting it in a plastic bag, I'm like, oh man, come on, so frustrating. Yeah, I you know I do the same thing, but I also you know it's supposed to be recyclable, but mm. it's not. So, <laughs> so with power plants, um, most of the ones we talked about that we feel like there's a problem with or whatever is the um, okay, what did I do? Click on something. Is those which basically are consuming some kind of petrol fuel for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, environmental, and two, you know, it's only going to last long. That's, to me, the big things I think of, right? It's it's not a renewable resource. It's something that we do have access to, and there is, despite people's, like, discussions on scarcity, there's a shit ton. Like, we're not going to run out in our lifetime of fossil fuels. It's not going to happen. No, but, I mean, uh, but we eventually, we know it will run out. Yeah. And absolutely. we also know there's alternatives. So that that's that's the main kicker. Yeah. For, like, for me, it's like, okay, we know it, it's going to run out eventually, um, yes, it can renew itself if we all fucking died in, you know, a million years from now. You know, yeah, sure. we, we would probably replenish the, the oil reserves on planet Earth, but um, we'd all have to die. <laughs> so, and we'd then become oil. But knowing that there's alternatives that are not that difficult, that are way um, more sustainable than oil... Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That, that's where, like, the argument gets lost for me. It's just like, let's just keep using gas. I'm like, yeah, I, I love gas engines. Yes, they're fucking cool. I love the rumble. But um, it's really it's really inefficient. It's super inefficient. Yeah, I, I will say riding, like, I was driving my truck home today, and I was behind someone else that had, like, a, like I said, Marine Corps, and then Semper Fidelis on the bottom, had Eagle on the middle, and then it had MC on the side. So I knew, I was like, oh, it's a motorcycle club. And I was like, maybe I will get rid of my electric motorcycles. <laughs> just so you can get in the club. <laughs> For one, I'm just like, 
it's not as efficient because it's still something you know we're working on, especially for, at a size to work for a motorcycle. Like I don't have a great amount of range. Like if I was on a motorcycle, I could yeah. stop anywhere, fill up my fuel, ride somewhere else. Uh, with the electric, I'm like I could maybe make it to LA, <laughs> and then hopefully find somewhere I can plug in and charge up until I go somewhere else. And it, so it's a little frustrating. I'd love to see the range extend to the point where you're getting 400 on a charge or something. That'd be cool, but. It's also way heavy. So, like, mine is designed to be, like, an enduro. Like, I should be able to go off-road, on-road, adventure-style kind of thing. It's so heavy. I went in the sand for the training here. I did the, um, like, motorcycle dirt bike course. And, like, the lady was like, I don't know how you managed to maneuver that bike in the sand the way you did. Because <laughs> yeah. it is so heavy. She's like, good job. You passed. Like, I wasn't doing anything fancy. But I made it. And, like, it was, that even on its own was a shocker. Yeah, let me, like, this thing is just too heavy for the sand. Let's give a uh, a comparison. I don't know how much your bike weighs. I'm going to tell you how much my bike weighs, or one of my bikes. My S1000RR weighs less than 400 pounds, and it has a, 187 horsepower to the wheel. And I can go, it's got a small gas tank, so I can go like maybe 160 miles. But I can fill up like within three minutes maybe. So how much is your right? <laughs> so I'll have to look because I'm not 100% sure. But it, it does take hours to charge if I plug it in normally. And then there is a way to do like a rapid charge. Yeah. But I need two separate outlets on two different uh, 20 amp breakers yeah. in order to support it. And, you know, most random places I show up to aren't going to be able to give me two two separate outlets close to each other on their own independent 20 amp breakers so it doesn't trip. Because what you do is you have to plug in the normal plug-in, which is like a slow trickle charge, but then you can also plug in this like big amp mm. that then, then you know, charges it faster. But then they're both drawing like a significant amount of power and so you need to keep them on separate circuit breakers. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even have that set up like, where I'm like, how can I run? I'd have to run some extension cords to make that work at home. But usually I'm like I'm plugging it in and charging it overnight and it doesn't really matter. So let me see. Uh, zero. Yes, you can keep going. Yeah. So he's looking it up. Yeah. Like riding a, riding a motorcycle is interesting because, like, one of the things like when you're riding, um, depending on like how your engine is like mounted, like matters like how the how like your uh, your bike handles. So if you have like I was putting my thumbs out if you're watching the, the podcast because like you have like a like a boxer motor, because it goes side to side. Uh, when you're going around corners, you can kind of feel it going side to side. If you have like an inline, like it's much less of an issue because it's all, you know, inline. And it's also like the where the weight is. So like on the weight for like most sports bikes, and you are most bikes in general, they try to keep the, the weight as low as possible, right? So you have like, it's way easier to like turn. But uh, when you have a, like a battery powered bike, like you have to put all that weight Big in the bags. middle and it comes up higher and higher and higher. And so, yeah, so, like, you're – I'd have to, like, ride your bike to, to see what it feels like, but I would imagine that it's harder to handle because – It really is. Yeah. It's 489 pounds. 489 pounds, yeah. And it has, like, nowhere near the horsepower of, like, my bike. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, I don't know. So, like, it, it's a weird power because you know how electrics are. Like, it's – All torque. Yeah, right super torquey. But, yeah, uh, so let's see. Um, What's the 0 to 60? It – uh. Very fast. Yeah. So it has 116 foot pounds of torque. Oh, nice. Um, 
yeah, so it's super torquey. Like, I can get from zero to 60 through a stoplight. Nice. So it's really fast, <laughs> like, as far as quick pickup. But um, as soon as I, if I try to maintain top speed or, like, even high end speed, like, my battery, you can start watching. Oh, I've never ridden an electric bike, but do you have, uh, do you go through gears or it's all just like one gear and you just go? Nice. No gears, no clutch, no nothing, you just throttle. I know some electric vehicles do yeah. have gears, like the, uh, the Taycan has two gears, the Porsche Taycan has two gears. Yeah, so uh, when you come down this way, you can ride it. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. And if you ever come up this way, I'll let you ride the, uh, the S1000 and probably... Probably scare you. <laughs> we were talking about hitting redwoods at some point too, so maybe I'll throw it in the bed of the truck so you can ride it if I come back. Interestingly enough, I, I was looking at this map still. I'm, I'm kind of like super obsessed now. Um, there's a there's a tire power plant listed on here. Oh, they just like, like literally just powered powers? by old tires, I guess. Yeah. And it's not one. There's 29 of them. <laughs> Oh, it makes sense to like, like honestly like burning your trash to like make power that's the best way to go there was like oh yeah. this is kind of funny there was like <laughs> so the my main podcast called black and the black Times infinity it's actually made the name comes from a metal band from uh yeah. a show called metalocalypse and in one of the like the songs that they made it was basically like there's a song about this guy not being able to afford um his health bill and so he said basically if he dies like just burn my cadaver for some energy it's <laughs> just like, damn. Yeah, I mean, you could, you know. So why aren't we doing more of that? Just like burn shit for energy, including people. Yeah, including people. You know, take my organs, give them to somebody that's that's worthy. You know. Yeah. Or, We're already cremating them. Why are we not capturing that energy? Yeah. <laughs> for real. Capture energy. I, I don't know why every you single cremation. For- yeah. <laughs> You're already burning the body. <laughs> Just capture the heat. Yeah. Spin an engine. Spin a turbine. Exactly. Um, let's see. I think that part of that is where it <laughs> totally not gonna work because to to cremate the person, you're usually at a temperature that's so high, you're using more energy to burn the body to the point where it's ash than than see, we would create just trying to light them on fire. Probably this so we can save some fucking money. All right, just burn them a little bit so they can catch on fire, and then you know whatever. Just don't watch. Yeah. You know, just let them burn. Create some energy. You don't need a lot of fucking fire. I mean, traditional funeral pyre style, like how much does hay cost? It's not <laughs> yeah. It'd be fine. I'm laughing, but uh-huh. I'm just saying it could, it could be done. It's a cost-saving idea right here. There are also 10 poultry power plants. <laughs> how are they... Oh, are they just burning chickens? <laughs> yeah, like, I are they, are they, that's not where I went. I'm like, are they running on like little fucking hamster wheels? <laughs> so I am reading now because <laughs> what is the poultry power plant? Now, well, now you got to look up. Like, what the fuck is a poultry power plant? I'm very curious. So, okay, too. again, how amazing is this site? Each of the items that are listed in the the. the selectable options for the power plants you can click it and it tells ah, you about that kind of okay. power plant yeah it's by poultry litter so it's their shit they're burning yeah, it's shit. just poultry waste it's like yeah. all of the you, you imagine all those really wonderful poultry 
production plants where it's the chicken in a little stall, you know, this big, never moving yeah. while it grows, and then shitting constantly. I think you just use all that waste and burn it. Why not? Although the the article it links to is air pollution and toxic hazard as a result of the <laughs> poultry waste. That shit. Come on now. <laughs> Light shit on fire. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, did you ever get to be around burn pits in Iraq? Yes. Yes, I did. So, yeah, you know what it's like being around places yeah. where people are just burning shit? So, that's not cool. Sewage incineration. Anyways, there's some weird ones. So, but I think, um, go ahead. Yeah, I was looking up, um, this reminded me of something like burning uh, chicken shit. That's basically what we're talking about, <laughs> burning chicken shit. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing, uh, back in the day, not that long ago, they were doing like a renewable energy for Africa where basically they were taking, um, they built like a toilet um, that would capture human waste and they would use that waste to power a power plant and they would take the liquid waste and then make it into clean water. So it was both a power plant and how to make clean water. And I think Bill Gates was one of the guys that would like... Um, funding it. Yeah, funded it. And he like literally would, he would drink the water from the, from the waste slash power plant. And I was like, you know what, there's a lot, because you can create energy from human waste. So, Well, even just composting um, the, the, methane. the chemical reaction, the heat, yeah, the methane that comes off it. Um, so I saw, I saw a thing a long time ago. There's certain kind of building structures for housing in China that the bottom floor is for animals. So it's pigs and, and um chickens and something else no cattle because obviously it takes up a huge amount of space although they do produce a lot of methane but they all live down on this bottom floor which has vents on the top that capture all the methane from them just living there and then that's used as the gas system for the the residents to cook their food like they just literally pull straight methane out of the little vents and like light their their burner and cook their food on it that's amazing that's actually what. Like, that's super cool. So we do that actually, sort of here in America. So when we talked about um, having dumps, and like when I was talking about sealing dumps, because that's literally what they do. They take like a super thick plastic seal, and they seal the dump. They compact everything down, and they seal it, put dirt on top of it. But they also stick um, tubes down into the yep. in, through the seal into the waste, and that creates. They capture the methane for power and other means, because you know it's, it's methane. You know what's kind of yeah, gross yeah. about China? Is have you heard about um, the the gutter, gutter? How can I say this? Gutter oil in China? No. Yeah, so I'm gonna tell you this story. Anybody that's listening to this, you're probably never gonna want to gonna want to eat street food in China ever again. But you, you can look it up. I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna look it up just one more time to make sure I'm not tripping. Um, gutter oil yeah. in China. Um, it's literally yeah, it's a real thing. It's where they literally, uh, it's a, it, it accounts for one-tenth of the cooking oil in China. So they literally take these spoons down into the sewer and they pull it up. Oh, I'm sorry, buckets. And they pull it up of just like straight-up sewage. And they use that sewage as oil for cooking oil for street food in China. They boil it down. And uh, if, you, if you go on YouTube, you can look up, uh, just put, up, put in gutter oil and you'll see like the process of it. It's super gross and uh, people eat from it. But, I mean, if you're hungry, you know, obviously, this is where it gets them to, like, the sort of humanitarian part of it. Like, listen, if you need to fucking eat, I mean, eat however you can. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's gross. Yeah, we we had um, some street food in Hong Kong, and it was good. But it's Hong Kong, and, and again, until recently, Hong Kong was very different. I don't know what it is like now because they haven't let us go back for years because uh, mainland, I think mainland, uh, China is working to assimilate them. Yeah, that's a more recent thing, right? Because China's trying to yeah. consolidate power. So. Last, last, I'd say two years at least. Um, and I'll say like, I don't know, let's see. Politically at least, Hong Kong is like the Texas of China, right? Like, <laughs> they, they're now formally considered to be a part of China, but they're still very, very much themselves. Like, yeah. did you know that there's a petition every single year that has all the signatures it needs to become a formal petition to the federal government for Texas to secede from the union? Yeah. I, every I single heard. year. I mean, honestly, if they, if they think they can make it on their own, more power to you. Yeah. You know, it, I think it, now it's become <laughs> become a traditional thing. Like, it happened for so many years in a row. They're like, we just got to keep doing this. This is fine. Yeah. This is cool. We got to just do it, you know? But also, you know, I mean, California has talked about seceding as well. And so, is, mm-hmm. like, in the most, I mean, right when, you know, former President Trump got elected, they were talking about having, it was California, Oregon, and Washington to become part of Canada. Mm. Which, honestly, I'm mad at that. <laughs> but um, only because... You want to become part of Canada. I'll, yeah, I want to move to Canada anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> But I, no matter what, California, I think, would be fine. I think out of all the states in the union, I think California and Texas would be, like, the most okay with, like, not being part of the United States. Because California especially, uh, with, like, the sixth, the sixth or seventh largest economy in the world. Yeah. And we export a lot of shit. And yeah. it's, it's not going to be a really big deal. I mean, yeah, we'd probably get taxed a little bit more, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Most... Most counties in California are larger than most countries in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like as far as population and uh, quite a few based on just square footage. I've always agreed with the concept that California should really be a couple of states probably. Yeah, I um, think so there's too. some very drastically different demographics that would be better represented by having their own unique representation. Um, even just two, north and south, would be probably a better representation of those regions. But. Well, even when we talk about North, like when we talk about Northern California, like it, it includes, you know, the Bay Area, which technically is, mm-hmm. if you look at the actual California on a map, it's actually Central California. Like it's in the middle. Yeah. Like if, once you go past like Santa Rosa, maybe, you know, that, I, I barely consider that Bay Area because it's not the Bay right. Area as far as I'm concerned, but anything yeah. North of that, it's like totally different demographics, totally different mindsets. You know, yeah. if you look at Orange County, yeah, you look at Orange County, super, super conservative, you know, L.A. is super, you know, liberal, you know, San Diego is kind of a mix because because of the military (laughs) mostly. But, you know, what did you say about San Diego? I lost you for a second. San Diego is a mix because of the military mostly, you know, because it's a mix of Mm -hmm. conservatism and um, liberalism, but it's mostly because of the military. So, um, power plants. So, the the way 
most work right now, there's a there's a prime power plant for most regions, like that provides the majority of the power, and then there's usually a natural gas or um, uh, LP, a propane, liquid propane, yeah, uh, power plant that Propeed can surge to provide quick surge power in case of like fluctuations beyond like a kind of a standard expectation deviation or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the standard we're used to right now, right? Yeah. So I think that the big concern for anybody looking about um, any renewables is how do we meet surge demand? Like that's one of the things if renewables are there and you have consistent power primarily throughout the daytime because and, and you can meet whatever the demand signal would be during the day because you have solar and then whatever standards you're running with wind and hydro, those don't change, but the solar really does have very dim actually hold on let me rephrase that so specifically you have a very cyclic thing with solar whereas wind specifically is very erratic like it could be anything uh for any given day and then hydro is very consistent but hydro generally as it stands right now is not enough to power everything yeah. and then solar you have that that surge but the problem with that surge is it's off peak time <laughs> like Usually peak power draws for uh, any grid is from 4 p.m. until 9 p.m. Because that's when everybody gets home and everybody turns on all of their stuff instead of being like in one consolidated work location where you have a certain amount of draw um, and it's just expected. And it's, it's really weird because I would have thought daytime would too because work locations would be pulling all this draw. But it's not. It's still in the afternoon to the evening. Well, I think it's because most of the work locations, the draw is always there. I think that um, mm. I'm pretty sure over the last year that, that that dynamic has probably changed for peak times because more people have worked from home and it's probably changed like the picture because they gave me like the option with PG&E to like switch like when I want to have like the, you know, how I want to choose to how, how to use my power basically if they could charge me more. I was just like, no, I mean, I, I work from home so my peak time is basically all the time except for like, you know, past like midnight my non-peak times is between midnight and like what maybe 7 a.m that's my non-peak mm. time in my house because yeah. any other time it's like we're either working from home or watching tv or something like that yeah i know we still peak because we're both leaving here and working now oh. and last year would have been still some draw at home but i still had to leave so it would have been little different but I think still probably would have been a pretty consistent draw throughout last year because I don't really consume much electricity in the house other than I mean I say that as there are like bright lights shining <laughs> in my face but these are LEDs so. um, but I think that it, it probably was a bit more but I, yeah now we're definitely back to it like everything's turned off during the day we usually start like start the dishwasher start a load of laundry and then leave so that there's a little bit of run into the daytime hours, which is being covered almost like my house solar during the day completely covers any of my requirements yeah. without a doubt. Um, and is usually pushing stuff to the grid. And that's where I think we transition to like the forward plan. How do we, how should the grid look compared to all of this weird plethora of burning shit type <laughs> uh, power plants to uh, renewable, uh, you know, environmentally friendly 
concept. So beyond the technicals, I think the biggest hurdle isn't anything technical. We've, we've already talked about some of these and I want, do want to talk about them, but it's the people who are invested in these systems, right? It's natural gas companies, it's oil companies, it's these others who like don't want to see the system shut down because then they'll lose money. That's the hurdle. Yeah, and the, the problem with that hurdle is it's like they have the opportunity to, all of those companies had the, they did the research, they knew the writing on the wall, they knew they could have. They knew they, they knew they could have transitioned into other means of producing power, way before us as the consumers did. But they decided not to do it because for them to do that, they would have had to invest money into other segments of power production, and that takes away a little bit from profits. And eventually, it you know you have to train your employees to learn how to do things differently. You know, like when uh, when when Trump said that he he was going to bring back coal jobs. I'm like, why are you bringing back coal jobs? It's like bring back a fucking blacksmith. Like, why do you want to go back in the day to like something that we know is dirty? Like when they talk about clean coal, like does that really fucking exist? As far as my research goes, not really. You know, like we have better ways of producing power than coal. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost looked like that chart goes from like worst polluting or whatever to like best, but it's also just kind of weird so it's not exactly but coal was definitely right near the top yeah um it doesn't make any sense like to keep burning coal for power like in 2021 listen right. like, we don't watch the fucking jetsons the jetsons was in the, the 2000s y'all all right i didn't see him burning coal they have fucking flying cars yeah. and shit <laughs> it, i mean it's it's the equivalent of going outside and, and having a little fire pit with sticks because you're just burning Wood. Yeah. <laughs> do we have any wood power power plants? Hold on, let me check. We probably do. <laughs> probably still, do. still some just like running wood. Nope, we managed to get past that. So oh. good on us. <laughs> but barely. Now we just we compress the wood in the yeah. charcoal, and then we burn the charcoal. So that's what ridiculous. Most charcoal is just it's just compressed wood. You know, Compre yeah. oh, I'm sorry, already burned compressed wood. So yeah, it's 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 kind of silly. I hope that they, they can figure out a better... I, I, honestly, I think that going forward... Um, well, actually, no. I mean, that's further down the line. Let's talk about where, where we should be today because we're talking about solar power and the way that you're doing it right now. So how is, yeah. how is your solar power going? Okay, so I'll just explain the system I have. So the system I have set up right now is 22 solar panels on my house um, and one Tesla Powerwall and... I have it set up so that um, I, I can use up my power wall once the sun goes down, down to 35%, so that at a minimum, in case of any power outage, I retain 35% of my total power wall to cover me for a power outage. Uh, we had an unexpected outage that started first thing in the morning at like 6 a.m., so I hadn't recovered any of my power, so I still only had 35%. So seeing that we lost power, we were able to go around and shut down anything that was plugged into an outlet that was covered, but we didn't necessarily need. And that outage lasted from like 6 a.m. until about 10 or 11 a.m. And uh, we were able to, to maintain the house and the things we needed on um, for that time. One of the things I need to add is like our, um, uh, call it a swamp cooler. I can't believe I can't think of it right now. Um, it's, not, it's not AC, but I know what you're talking about, like a swamp cooler. 
Yeah, but I can't think of there's a better name for it than a swamp cooler. Anyways, um, we need to put that on the actual power so that way we have a cooling system because right now our AC requires more than 30 amps for a breaker and you can't put anything larger than a single 30 amp breaker on the power wall. Um, so that's kind of a limitation, but that's also because it's a pretty old air conditioner. This house was built in uh, 2004 and it's the air conditioner from then. So we just requested an estimate to try to bring it to like a, a modern lower startup and, and it can honestly just be that's a specific requirement and they can find this one that has a slower ramp up because what happens most of the time with air conditioners it like spikes when it starts and goes above the 30 amps and then drops itself back down to like a steady normal power consumption which is within the range of most of your circuit breakers probably under 15 amps but that's initial startup spike is what causes it so most new air conditioners uh, have developed a like a slower ramp up startup so that it doesn't cause that that spike so we see one of those um, but our power wall doesn't last throughout the whole night fully on power, so then we start pulling from the grid. But during the day, the solar panel generates more than we need and pushes power to the grid. So the idea is that basically when our full year comes up in November, uh, we should be pretty neutral and have, if not, be owed money, potentially, yeah. for our power. Yeah, that's, that's how my, my brother, he got like a bunch of money from they basically owed because he lives in uh, Chula Vista, and he, he usually gets back money. Ari pays like I think I think one year I had to pay like forty bucks for a year, and he has and he had a pool and he has another pool now, but he's putting in more solar panels. But um, yeah, Enrique's pool is heated by his solar panels. Yeah, yeah, that's what my my brother did when he lived because he, he he moved into like a way bigger place in Chula Vista, but his first place there. He, he had a house, he put in solar panels, and he put in another set of solar panels just for his pool to keep it heated in the... Uh, in, you know, when you live in SoCal, you're not heating it for that long, you know? So you're only heating it in, like, the winter, which just doesn't last very long in SoCal, especially where you guys are. You're in the fucking high desert, so... Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely... I think that... And that can be how this works, right? Like, it should be expected that my power plant generates more solar energy than someone even in LA because the coastal cloud cover and stuff is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So just throughout a full year, I'm going to generate more power than, than a house in, in LA or in the valley because it's just because of the total amount of sun per year. Plus like, uh, it's just generally super clear here. And I have a really good South facing, rooftop like my majority of it so i could see like a good future system that does a better job our biggest issue is storage right that's what we talk about i'm generating far more than i need um and far more than i can personally store now part of that is i have one power wall power wall system from tesla installed um i can, I can look it up in a second uh how much i can store like total kilowatt hours but I think what I need to get through the night would be three fully, maybe just two if we did a better job shutting stuff off. But that's kind of, you know, it requires consumer responsibility, which is something we'll pretend like doesn't exist. <laughs> because realistically, we know there's going to be moments when it doesn't. So you, um, you always plan for your peak draw and then hopefully you use less and then you have access basically. Uh, 
um, that's kind of the way most power systems are developed. So um, my solar system, like my solar panel system, was developed based on the expected production that it has to be 105 percent of what my normal monthly draw was uh, at peak in in like July when I'm running air conditioner all the time. So they they pulled my numbers from July, said this was your total consumption for July. So let's build you a solar solar panel system that supports that plus five percent. So 100 percent plus five. So that way, you know, you we got a little bit of wiggle room. We all put new shit in our house, and then I went and bought an electric vehicle, right? Um, so, so there's a little more draw. So it, they plan the system out that way, but then I don't have the storage capacity to like retain the same amount of power generation overnight. I think that's where I I fell short a little bit. Yeah, it's basically being able, like power storage is like for me is one of the biggest issues that faces <laughs> humanity as a whole is. <laughs> We have so much power that is wasted on planet Earth. Most of it is through solar means. Other is through, like, just fucking water. But mm -hmm. um, if you want to talk about, like, the easiest way to, like, you know, retain power, it's, it's solar. Because there's, there's literally no downside to capturing solar rays. Like, you're not fucking with... Well, hold on. Let me just backtrack a little bit. There are certain studies that have like there's a there's major solar arrays in the desert that can fry birds when they fly through it there's like ones that are like basically where they take a bunch of mirrors and they focus it at one point and that one point if the bird flies through it they'll get fucking vaporized but <laughs> we're talking about just normal solar panels that doesn't that doesn't occur okay so we're just capturing normal solar solar it doesn't occur but i think the one of the problems is is we can't, it's, it's hard for most places to store power because um, we're using old technology and we don't have enough uh, energy storage available today. And um, I think one of the things that we actually need to really fix this is first of all, fix the problem with uh, energy storage. We need to figure out better batteries, um, <laughs> larger capacities. Um, and then also, if we're gonna do that, then we need to talk about like an actual, an actual national um, power storage grid that has to do with um, like mainly solar and wind power. So. Yeah, so what I think would work, because the big, I watched this really cool video about this concept not too long ago. I think I linked it in an earlier video. And if not, I'll, I'll send it to you and, and maybe I can put it in the description. It's, it's a really good breakdown of the problem, which is what you just described, is there's not enough storage. There's, there's, it's super easy to create the generation, uh, the power plant portion of solar. Um, but most of the time, what's generated can't be stored. It can be shared kind of in the grids we have right now. So that's part of what like mine does during the day. It pushes power out to the grid and probably houses nearby that don't have solar are using some by power. It's yeah. my assumption, right? Um, so what they talk about was in order to meet the requirement, if say we built enough huge solar panel arrays uh, throughout the state to support the overall state electric requirement right now, they just did California, which was kind of cool that they did California. But, uh, so you build these arrays that could generate enough power to power the current draw throughout the state. Um, it only does that during the day, right? I got a solution it's later in the podcast. Oh shit, you froze. Is it me? Fuck. You still there? I think something happened with Papa Bear. 
So I'm gonna keep bullshitting for a minute until he comes back, because he's super frozen. So let me, uh, I'm gonna send him a text to see what's going on. Damn it, we're getting into some really good stuff. Yep, and he dropped. Shit. I think he lost his internet. That would be terrible. <laughs> well, luckily this will be easier to edit now because it's just my face. We're missing... There we go. Totally lose it. Yeah, yeah, you're back now. Sorry, this actually the fact that you dropped will make it easier to edit because it'll it'll go just to my face and then I'll know to edit around it. Mm. <laughs> Weird. I didn't even notice because I was looking at a different screen. No, that's all good, man. Like I sent you a text, I was like, shit, you dropped. <laughs> I heard something come in. I was like, what is that? Uh, what was the last thing you heard? You were talking about power generation and something you read somewhere. Uh, I was watching a video. Yes. Uh, how far into that did I get? I guess. You were watching a video. Cool. <laughs> so I saw a video, and I will try to get you the link so that you can take a look at it, but also I'll try to remember to put it in the description. I did notice that I've said before, like, oh, I'll put a link to this in the description, and then I get to those editing those videos, and I'm like, I'm never going to listen to the whole two hours we're talking again, and I don't necessarily go through and realize, oh, I need to go grab that video and put it it in the description so i might have to have someone else remind me that i need to add a specific video when they listen to it because i know a couple people who are now listening to like every episode um, but it let me know if at any point it says i'm supposed to link something in the description so what's funny is that i have a guy so the guy that gives me the timestamps for be the bti he's also mm -hmm. a marine and he listens to everything and he like literally timestamps it for me and i just put it up it makes it super easy so I, i'm gonna get him to listen to all these maybe he'll do the same <laughs> hey that'd be helpful yeah because yeah, i know there's a couple i've missed now and i can go find the links i just don't remember that i said what was showing what was yeah. <laughs> but this video kind of broke down this particular problem with solar which is storage right so you generate a whole lot of energy during the day more than you really need store some of it but then it's more than I can store to like myself. So what I was thinking was if the current math that companies are using to set up a single house is that my power plant generation is 105% of my 24 hour draw during my peak month, right? That's the math that they use and they generate it. Or they create a solar panel array that creates that energy. Um, we need a calculation that better supports the storage requirement as well. And then both of those systems need to be supported through tax incentives and through either direct funding potentially too, because long-term that supports the whole power grid being able to move off of fossil fuels and into renewable resources. And one of the things I would think it would do too is 
kind of do it stealthily too. If we just say, hey, these are incentives in order to provide additional resources to houses which want to, slowly but surely we end up with a power grid that automatically supports itself. Now, you still do need interconnectivity. We need, um, but it needs a kind of a different connectivity setup. And that's where the change would have to happen that I think would cost additional money. Yeah. Separate piece. I want to come to that in a second. Um, so like, I think I need three power walls based on what I've seen with my usage that this basically supports one third of my um, full power draw overnight capacity requirements um, so that I could be able to store basically what my 24 hour draw is plus five or 10%. Like they do 105% right now for the generation, but I think that storage should probably be a little more than that um, because we're also always, and maybe it's even needs to be more, say 100, 150%, because I also keep 30% for emergencies, right? So maybe I could then feel safe about saying, I'm gonna leave mine at a 50% capacity storage saved uh, in case of an outage that I can then power my own home for a certain amount of time. And then everybody would have that. So then there's also like an abundance of storage for the whole community able to draw on each other. Yeah, I think I think you sort of alluded to this, but maybe it should be like a, almost like a like an incentive from the government. Like, hey, if you're gonna get solar, mm -hmm. then we'll toss in some money to like upgrade your storage from like 105 to like maybe 135 or something like that. to like further um, make that power system more robust in your community and potentially the rest of the country. If we had like a more nationally diversified, you know, power grid. Yeah. And I will say like when I got mine installed and I don't know if, if the same has continued throughout 2021, um, I haven't followed up with it. The people I was talking to at Sunrun, who is, um, I would absolutely recommend. They do a really good job. They work with you from start to finish. Um, they, they were concerned that the 2021 tax incentive stuff would be gone. Um, so, my total system for the power, the, the solar panels and the power wall was right around like $40,000 basically. Um, and then we got back as tax incentive about 13,000 in taxes. Plus we got ours done through Costco and Costco nice. offers $1,500, uh, $1,500 like Costco card. Uh, so I mean like all in all, it might just be it needs more uh, discussion, like advertisement. Like these incentives exist. Yeah. If you go out and do this thing, and, and I'm getting all kinds of YouTube video ads. I don't know if you are too for solar panels if you're in California. Oh, like, I was like, for a while because I was I was looking up like making doing my own system, so mm -hmm. do like wholesale solar. <laughs> so yeah. I um I bought stock. Maybe six or seven years ago in a, a small like solar panel manufacturing company called uh, Vivint Solar. Oh, yeah, I know they are. Yeah. They do uh, and, security systems too. They do security yeah. too. Yeah. So all of Vivint got purchased by Sunrun. Oh, nice. So what was crazy was I was like, oh man, and I, cause I was talking to him. I was talking to Sunrun because I really wanted to support the company that I obviously have stock in, right? Cause that's how that shit works. <laughs> So I was like, hey, do you guys by any chance have any way where you can specifically install like Vivint solar panels or have them conduct the install? And they're like, oh, um, 
Actually, we're like literally in the process of buying them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Too early. I was like, oh, so Sunrun would be the stock that I end up with, and I would then be helping support stocks that I bought. I was like, perfect. Carry on. Let's continue with this plan. Yes. <laughs> so it worked out okay for me. Yeah, I literally now have Sunrun stock, which is who I purchased my systems. Nice. So I think ideally, um, I think both of us are in favor of having like a more decentralized uh, power grid that is mm -hmm. energized by potentially a lot of solar powered houses. But obviously you can't mm -hmm. do that everywhere. I get that. Yeah, and that's I guess where maybe the number needs to go up, right? So the standard would be uh, for those that the analysis works out to have a larger array. Like I only have half of my roof covered yeah. and it supports for us because of the way the sun works here. But if there was incentive for, uh, for me to have a larger array to provide more power to the grid to support those further north, which don't get as much sun yeah. uh, or have more cloud cover or you know whatever the reason is, uh, but everybody's contributing to that pay in basically, like that's how you, you're paying your bill for electricity and those people should still have storage so like houses in shaded areas or areas that get lots of cloud cover or are further north and don't get the same kind of sun angles should still have that 150 percent capacity in storage so that they can store the energy that i'm producing you know, like i push it out to the grid and you store some in your power wall. and that's where it comes to like the uh the national you know green grid i'll call it the green grid fuck it because I guess it's catchy, but having yeah. like an actual grid that's, you know, power generated from mainly solar natural. and natural, you know, power yeah. and like distributing it throughout the entire United States. I think yeah. that'd be the way to go because you can do it for every house on, you know, places that where it's appropriate, like Cal most of California. Yeah. So I, like I was looking into a fully self-sustained like property, right? I read this article on it. It was really cool. Off the grid property. And yeah, completely off the grid, um, and it covers everything from like what plants you should grow, what um, things you should install. So like, um, you can build a very specific kind of birdhouse, and then put out a very specific kind of bird feed in order to call, in order for it to attract bluebirds, right? And then you can hang up a very specific kind of house uh, to bring in small bats, because really? if you have both of those creatures near your property. Uh, you will not have insects on your crops because bluebirds and bats, the like the small bats that usually are in most of those kinds of areas, consume thousands of small insects every day. And so you just end up with naturally with no pesticides, all these other things. But each one of those concepts included some kind of solar array, some kind of battery storage, some kind of wind generation. So you put up your own windmill and have it generate some power for you and then you store some of that in a battery. Um, those areas that don't have much solar probably could put up some um, wind arrays and store some some uh, some wind power and provides that to the grid too. And then there's still hydro. So we're talking about hydroelectric should be providing and pushing power into those batteries to be stored as well. So realistically between the three, like every home that can having solar panel, um, having some large solar power plants like there's there's four in this area that are just huge areas blocked off fenced in just giant 
arrays of solar panels that like rotate and stay facing the sun automatically on their own. Um, great power generation. I, I watch those things when I drive past every day. I'm like, that's just super cool. Uh, all of that stuff providing this, you know, like you said, decentralized, but still like nationally managed, I guess, or at least, you know, regionally managed would be definitely the only way we can move towards true, like natural, renewable power. Yeah, because I think that, you know, the United States and, you know, our hyper-individualistic mentality, like, we seem to think that we can do everything ourselves and we talk about, you know, we need to have, you know, our own oil, blah, 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 like, to have our own oil fields and all this stuff, but it's like, we're already past that. Like, we literally are past that right now. Right now, we're past that. And people we, are just... We can be. What's up? We can be. Yeah, we can be. Uh, yeah. But I think that people are just fighting tooth and nail, and they're fighting for blacksmiths. Like, yeah. that's what they're fighting. You're fighting for old old tech. And don't get... Yeah. Like I said, I love gas-powered cars. I really do. But we, we don't really... We don't need to have gas-powered anything or oil-powered. Like, we need oil to, like, lubricate shit. I got you there. Yeah. Like, we don't have a good replacement for that yet. As far oh, as there's synthetic oils. Well, synthetic is still based upon oil, right? Like, how do they make... I mean, I'll, maybe I'll look this up. I don't know how they make synthetic oil. But I'm pretty sure it's based upon, like, actual, like, oil of some sort. Well, I mean, we could make, use plants to make oil if we needed to. Yeah, we, we can. Stuff use, use biological oils to lubricate most of stuff. I mean, there are totally ways to... And we're going to have to... The problem is, is if we don't, and we have the capacity now to really like work towards it while we still have some, but yeah, we are absolutely going to run on fossil fuels at some point. Yes. And so this gets to my, my next point in the conversation, is the future. How I would like to see um, us generate power in the world. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with uh, solar panels on houses. I want there to be a space elevator in the space we have an actual halo around the earth and that's a giant solar panel and then the, that solar panel the power lines go down and they distribute it into every single country in the world and that's how we do it because it's always on <laughs> i had this i had this idea and then right before you started to say yours i was gonna like chime in and be like oh but what about and i was gonna say something very similar but then it de- deviated totally. Oh. <laughs> so we're like, what if it was, what if it was just this long pole that stuck up on the space? It was like a pinwheel, and the Earth is spinning, <laughs> so I can capture the movement but there's no and then generate energy. And there's the turbine. Yeah, there's wind in space. Is there really? Well, there's solar there's wind, technically. Yeah. So yeah. I guess you could. I mean, that could work too. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, solar panels. It, solar panels works. Yeah. But yeah. I think so, that if, if we just had like, I'm gonna go off Gundam here. Off my memory, when they had, when when did their space elevator and they had like the whole like ring around the Earth? It was in three spots. I think it was the northern, northern, North America, Africa, and then I think shit. I think it was somewhere in Asia. So they had three spots that it came down to Earth. Yeah, and they were all space. There were three space space elevators, and there was like a big space station basically that was around the whole Earth, and on the outside of it was solar panels. And that's what powered Earth. So I think yeah, you can get the, there, but you need solar, um, or you need energy storage. And we need a 
material that can sustain that kind of tension. Because uh, right now, that's the issue with it, is there's, there's a couple of physics-based ways that could be done, uh, but none of the materials we've developed so far can sustain the tension that's required to have something in space and at the Earth level and the force on the two. Um, the red Mars, green Mars, blue Mars series I talked I talk to you about, like, yeah. does a really good job explaining a very realistic way that we could build it. So you kind of, you have to ship all the materials out to space and then you build it from space at a distance that is kind of like equidistance is the balancing point. And then you're building up and building down so that once it's basically touched Earth, it's also a certain distance away where it has no gravitational force against each other because the, the movement outward, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the movement outward and the movement down is the same. So then the tensile, tensile strength isn't as high, but it's still higher than any material we have right now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think we'll, we can figure it out. Hopefully, I think we're close. Yeah, I think we're close. What's the the carbon nanotubes? Yeah, uh, was basically like a tenfold jump from the next best material towards what it was, and is now only like maybe another. God, I gotta remember. It's it's eight or seven fold jump. So like it's less than the amount we just jumped up by going carbon fiber nanotubes. So we're figuring these things out, and I think I think that yeah. It could be in our lifetime that we have the material science that could support it, but then it's going to be decade probably of shipping that stuff out in order to then build it from space because you have to build it in space. Bro, can you think about think about? We might need to do like a podcast on just like quote unquote our lifetime because our lifetime has been fucking incredible as far as like yeah. science goes. Yeah. Because when we were born, there was literally no internet. There was no, no, there was no, no, there was no home video game systems. No, there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, black and white TVs were still a thing. Color TVs were yeah. if you were rich. I think yeah. when we were born, you had to be pretty wealthy to get a color TV. And now we have virtual reality and, and AK yeah. TVs and more stuff. You know, we're moving my, so fast. Like my home videos from when I was a baby that my family had was recorded on one of the ones where it's like, handheld camera component and then shoulder strap like VCR basically <laughs> on your side right that you were recording things to. Yeah. That was, it's hilarious. What was crazy is a neighbor had one. So I saw a video of my grandfather recording like us or whatever with his of someone else recording him just to be able to capture him wow. with this new cameras, right? Because it was a new enough thing. Everybody was like, you got one, I got one. I'll record you, you record me because look at these cameras. <laughs> yeah, and, and so in 40 years or less, now we have this thing that's this thin, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, cameras and games and the internet yeah, and <laughs> all that stuff. And it records way better than the fucking crazy apparatus that your grandfather had to record yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure some of the materials used, even just for the strength of this, is like leaps and bounds beyond any material science available at the time. So the metals and stuff that are used to create the kind of strength and weight reduction in it. Yeah, even power. Like this Crazy. has, I have like a 4,600 milliamp battery in this thing. Like it's pretty potent. <laughs> you know, it is, like back in the day, this didn't, it, it had been like a giant brick. Like way more than yeah. a giant brick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine what a battery, actually that would be a fun thing to look up is a battery that has the same power capacity as our phone right now yeah. in 1980. 
but it's still, like I said before, it's still the same tech as back then. Mm-hmm. It just made it smaller. They didn't make it necessarily any better. It's just smaller. They were all probably lead acid, though. These are like um, nickel cadmium or lithium ion, but yeah. Well, they're yes, but it's they're very similar chemical reactions. Sure, it's still yeah two two different kinds of metal and a, a acid. Yeah, and so we need to like progress past that. That's where solid state batteries are going to be like the next thing. And there's like three companies that are like really close. Like to like making it done, but you know nothing's nothing's for sure. It's the same thing with like quantum uh, computing. Is that there's a bunch of like really close things that they have, to, like getting quantum computing, but we really need that to get done because we're like we're basically at the end of Moore's law for our current <laughs> technology because you can only slice silicone so thin and layer yeah. them on so much, you know. So quantum computing is, is, is once the, once we get there, it's going to be a quantum leap, <laughs> you know, in mm-hmm. computing. So. I, I think of communications applications too for quantum computing. Yeah. And I wonder, well, because the quantum entangled particle concept thing where like one change to one, right, it reflects the change in the other. Mm-hmm. So if we have two entangled particles and one is like on Mars and one is here and I can adjust it to create communications, however we've developed that system, does that mean I now have instantaneous Mar- like communications between anywhere, like literally instantaneous between Mars and here even? It doesn't matter how far away it is should be based on the science, but I don't know how we do that and then get it that far apart. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the it's one of the things, you know, like we don't know yet, but I think one of the things that they had the problem with was the data in flight, where it doesn't know if it's a one or a zero, because like on the flight there, it's basically ambiguous until it goes to like that yeah. screen. Then it, gets, then it gets extrapolated. But they have a problem with like, is it really a one or a zero on the way? That, that's, that's the main problem. And in my head, I have to think, so if anything happens to this one, the exact opposite thing happens or whatever to the other particle, the, the paired quantum entangled one. So if I move it to Mars, does this one move that way? Yeah. <laughs> so now do we have to go halfway between on the orbits, create these things, and then ship them out in opposite directions? Like, it's insane. It's a whole lot of problems to solve that are not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> But it's good to even know that they are problems because most people don't even know that these things even exist. So, yeah. Yeah. So you say we're at the end of Moore's Law. I think we're we're getting close. Yeah. Getting. We are also at the end of this podcast. So, (laughs) did you want to talk about uh, your idea of future for current power generation, or did you hit that on? I did with the the space elevator and the solar ring thing. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you had a chance to finish that because I do feel like we kind of also then. Did what we do, we tangent. So it's all good. I mean, the first thirty minutes of the podcast was nothing to do with power at all. So there you go. <laughs> There's a we talked about new Jim Crow. There's power discussion there. Different kind of power. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think for again, so we've done a few of these now where we both kind of came into it like uh, I don't know. Let's talk about this and. It still turned out really good. I, I liked I like this conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it as well. Hopefully, uh, I'm pretty sure at least one thing that anybody listening to this podcast probably something new. And so that's what I, I hope for for all these podcasts. Like probably something you never heard before, hopefully. Yeah, I guess that's the goal. So um, I did this activity with some of my instructors the other day because I was trying to show them how to work 
like students engagement and then retrieval practice and like exploration right and uh so i asked them to go write on the board something they learned today and then two things they hope to learn in the lesson i'm about to cover which is on learning strategies and so there was a group that went to the board there's three of them there they're like oh shit, i don't know if i learned anything today <laughs> it's like it's already uh it was already 1500 it was 3 p.m i was like if it's 3 p.m in the day and you have not learned one new thing today I, i'm really i feel really sad for you <laughs> <laughs> you need to be constantly striving to learn new things and like okay hold on let me think okay I, thought, I was like that's see you just weren't aware you had to really go back and think about your own thinking but um so hopefully we facilitated you know you learning something new today. that's that's what i'm kind of thinking with this well, that's good yeah, that's a good idea. That's what we do every day, every time we do this. That's actually a really good goal, I guess. Yeah, and I think that there's a mindset, right? If you're, if you think that you haven't learned something new in in, in any day, I mean, first, if if that's true, you're stuck in a really shitty loop, and you should probably break out of your loop. And you know, during COVID times, it's kind of hard to break out of your loop. I'm in a, a terrible loop, right? No, not not terrible. I'm in a loop right now in my life, um, but I'm still learning new stuff. Like we just talked about a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, but yeah, have an open mindset and like strive to like learn new things and you're probably going to have a more fulfilled life. Hopefully. No promises. No problems. No, but it's a good goal, right? So it does, it does help contribute towards that being a possibility at least. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening and watching. Yep. Thanks, Papa Bear. Later. Uh, actually, I think you suggested it, but I had a lot of ideas about it well, I think it's because you saw well, I guess it was my idea right because I posted something about it and then you're like we should talk yeah. about it so yeah, yeah. shared it was balanced it was and it was also an exchange <laughs> see what we did there <laughs> uh, um, let's see I did actually sleep in a little this morning so I shouldn't be so scared but it's been very six? Hmm? you got up at what six <laughs> no, earlier. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so sleeping in was sleeping until 4.30. Uh, instead of getting up at... I don't think I slept until 5. But I normally go to 